Hey, this is Joseph Thompson. Thanks for listening to the Open Spaces podcast. Why don't you sit back, relax, and join me as we take a journey together into wide open spaces. Matt Walsh recently released a video which mainstream media and streaming services refuse to air because his video uncovers the shocking and horrifying roots of what is referred to as radical gender ideology. In his eye-opening account, um, he, he learns exactly how activists and ideologues are trying to brainwash children into questioning their gender. In his video, Matt also reveals a strategy to defeat defeat the collective insanity that appears to have taken over our society. I encourage you to join Matt on his often comical, yet deeply disturbing journey as he answers the question generations before us never knew that they needed to ask. The question, what is a woman? So if you're curious about what Matt has to say, uh, then I encourage you to head over to documentarymania.com. If you can't spell, I'm sorry, but it's documentarymania.com. And do a search for What is a Woman? But wait until you finish listening to today's episode of Open Spaces uh, before you head over to documentarymania.com. So why am I addressing this subject as, as volatile a behemoth as it is? Because believe me, it is a behemoth. Wouldn't it be better to quietly slide on by and stay friends with everybody instead of stirring up contention? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? The need to be liked and accepted by everybody often causes us to walk on eggshells and shy away from the issues that actually create polarization and toxicity. So I'm addressing this subject because there are too many Christ followers I've met who have uh, bought into this idea of gender identity to be clear, my message is not geared towards the person who doesn't believe the way that I do, since it makes no sense to expect someone who doesn't share my faith in Christ to live according to the dictates of Scripture. So this message really is geared strictly towards the professing Christ follower who believes that gender identity is truth. But, friends, because... Personal opinions should carry little weight when it comes to matters that are as weighty as this. Let me begin the conversation by reading a few verses from the scriptures which, for the Christ follower at least, serve as final authority, whether we choose to obey them or not. For ever since the world was created, I'm reading from the book of Romans in chapter 1, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, 
They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Verse 26 goes on to say, That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Okay, I don't have time to exegete all of these verses. Suffice it to say that what it's pointing out to us is that humans decided that even though they knew God, they denied him as God and denied who he was and chose instead their own wisdom. And so professing to be wise, they became utter fools, according to the scriptures. Then it talks about them abandoning the natural sexual inclinations for a man towards a woman and a woman towards a man and began to be inclined towards each other. The Bible calls this sin. Even though in today's culture and society, we call it the right to choose. But it goes on to say that since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, then he abandoned them in turn to their foolish thinking and let them do the things that should never be done. And in describing those things, Paul, writing to the church in Rome, and it's presumed that Paul wrote the book, uh, the, the letter to the church in Rome, he says, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Okay, so, according to many of the stories that I've been told lately as I've done the research on this. Children who are young enough to believe in Santa Claus indicate that they're uncomfortable in their bodies and they think that they identify more as members of the opposite sex. And doctors actually encourage this so-called gender identification and provide medications that chemically castrate them and stop their growth and development in the sex in which they were born, because in their opinions, the children are suffering with suicidal thoughts. And if you have a child who was genetically born a son, but gender identifies as a daughter, it's much better than having a son who commits suicide because he's miserable. So in Matt Walsh's video, he tells the story, I'm not going to is, uh, I don't want to spoil uh, the story of the video or all the different stories, but there is this one story that jumped out, and so I'll just give you the cliff notes. It's the story of a 13-year-old girl in Canada whose father is currently in jail and is awaiting trial this year, November 2022. What for? Well, his daughter identified as a boy, and her mother, apparently her parents are estranged, her mother supported gender transitioning drugs and he opposed it and in Canada 
it is apparently legal to do this without parental consent to have um, gender, trans tr gender transitioning drugs. And so because he is the parent who opposes it, it's considered a violation of the law. And so he's awaiting trial in jail. You'll hear more details of the story if you go watch Matt Walsh's video. So essentially, these doctors are suggesting that the notion that gender is binary, male and female, is wrong. Because they believe that gender is a social construct. They suggest that the pronouns they and them are appropriate for people who don't identify as him or her, or either male or female. And I ask, what? What doctrine is this, and where did it come from? Uh, certainly not from the foundations of the world. So let's go back to the beginning. At least the beginning is accepted by those of us who profess to be Christ followers, which is found in the book of Genesis. And by the way, the word Genesis comes from the Greek, and it means generation or production. It is properly so-called because for the Christ follower, it contains an account of the origin, the generation or production of all things. Here's how it begins in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we drop down to verses 26 and 27. He's done a whole lot of creating between 1 and 26. But in verse 26, he says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, the Hebrew translation of Genesis renders the meaning of the words man and woman or male and female, which are used interchangeably. It renders the meanings of those words as follows. A man or a male is that which sticks out. Not to be crude, but I think that's pretty obvious. That which sticks out. Interestingly enough, it renders the meaning of the woman or female as perforate or whole. Again, not to be crude, it would appear that the scriptures aren't bashful about defining males and females by their genitalia. And in the definitions of the words, their physical attributes, more so than their functional, intellectual, emotional, or even spiritual attributes, are what define them as male and female. That which sticks out is the male, and the perforation of the whole is the female. That's how it's been from the beginning. And, and for the most part, it still is. When a child, when a child is born, doctors, doctors look at nothing else but the genitalia to identify the gender of that child. But now pseudoscientists want us to believe that gender, gender identity is more, is more important and, and gender identity just suggests that gender is not binary and is not based on what you are all born. No wonder, no wonder the world's world so struggles to define what a woman is. Again, again, I refer, I refer to my video to see how... how <laughs> Amazing, amazing what it is when he asks people, what is a, what is a, one guy, one guy says, he says, um, um, uh, you shouldn't be asking, you asking me, that, only, only one woman, woman answer that question. So then my dad says to him, well, well, do you know what a cat is? Of course, the guy doesn't answer because he knows that that's a trap. Anyway, anyway, if kids and adults are confused about their gender, and opt for the so-called gender transition surgery, they more often than not set themselves up for a lifetime of pain 
confusion and hardship. It's interesting to me that people who embrace this aberration of God's created genders still want to have children by adoption, since clearly this new category of human would be incapable of reproduction. Because once you have gender transitioning surgery, you're unable to function, uh, certainly for male transitions to a woman, you're unable to get pregnant. Which makes me wonder how gender transition people would multiply the human race if it wasn't just male and female that existed for procreation. But I digress, you see, because uh, I'd rather talk instead about the whole ideology of defending a child's right to choose their gender identity. Think about that. Kids as young as kindergarten-aged children, or according to one of the proponents of gender transitioning surgery on Matt's video, when they're still infants, in fact, even before speech, they can identify or choose their gender identity. I mean, the stupidity of this baffles me. Think about it. In the USA, the age at which you can legally operate a motor vehicle on your own with a license is 16. The legal age at which you are able to drink is 21. Why? Simple, because the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain responsible for decision-making, isn't yet developed in younger children. In fact, according to a study of neural control and coordination, and I quote... This vital region of the brain regulates thought in terms of both short-term and long-term decision-making. It allows humans to plan ahead and create strategies, and also to adjust actions or reactions in changing situations. Since it controls intense emotions and impulses, it is sometimes referred to as the seat of good judgment. How on earth does a child who is months old or in kindergarten make good judgments about the future or even about the present when all they know to do is respond emotionally. Yet, here we are, in quotes, intelligently suggesting that a child, months or just a few years old, can choose a gender identity different from what they were born as. If this isn't an overt rejection of truth and a masquerading of lies dressed up as truth, I don't know what else is. Heck, even neuroscience, which is the study of the structure or function of the nervous system and brain, is confirming what car rental places figured out ages ago. The brain doesn't fully mature until age 25. Up until this age, the prefrontal cortex is not yet fully developed. Apparently, car rental places in their studies knew this, which is why the legal age to rent a car is 25. How does it make sense that you can make an irreversible, life-altering decision without the benefit of a well-developed brain, and without the consent of your parents. Yet that's considered acceptable in a so-called civilized society? Well, I'll tell you how it makes sense. You subvert the truth. You see, because according to the Oxford Dictionary of the English Language, the word woman is defined as an adult female human being. Mm, that doesn't take me very far. So what does the dictionary define female as? Here's what it defines female as, of or denoting the sex that can bear offspring or produce eggs, distinguished biologically by the production of gametes over which can be fertilized by male gametes. Apparently, even the dictionary of the English language 
recognizes that there are two genders, male and female. And a female is clearly defined as one who can bear offspring or produce eggs. Apparently, according to the secular dictionary, there are no in-between or alternate genders besides male and female. In case you're thinking, hang on, what about hermaphrodites and people born intersex? Well, let's explore that question, shall we? First, the word hermaphrodite. In reproductive biology, a hermaphrodite is an organism that has both kinds of reproductive organs and can produce both gametes associated with male and female sexes. Many taxonomic groups of animals, mostly invertebrates, do not have separate sexes. In these groups, hermaphroditism is a normal condition, enabling a form of sexual reproduction in which either partner can act as the female or male. Examples of hermaphrodites are earthworms and slugs. I rest my case. Well, then, what about people born intersex? Well, let's look at that. Intersex people are individuals born with any of several sex characteristics, including chromosome patterns, gonads or genitals, that, according to the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, do not fit typical binary notions of male or female bodies. In other words, their gender is unidentifiable by their genitals. Ooh, there you go. So genitals typically would identify gender as male or female. But these intersex people are born with um, chromosomes uh, that, and gonads or genitals that sort of uh, swing between male and female, in putting very lay terms. So this very statement itself establishes the fact that sex assignment at birth usually aligns with a child's anatomical sex and phenotype. The number of births with ambiguous genitals uh, or intersex is in the range of 0.02% to 0.05%, clearly making it an anomaly rather than a distinctly other gender. Interestingly enough, for those who would suggest that gender identity is not binary, when someone is born intersex, we don't assign them a new gender, but we randomly pick either male or female, understanding that their intersex state is a birth defect in the chromosomes and a biological anomaly. We recognize that, so we don't create a whole other gender. When conjoined twins are born with only one heart between them, but have two heads, two arms, and two legs, and you can check it, there are people who have been born like that, we don't assign them a new gender, we understand that it's a biological anomaly. We don't say, oh, this is not male or female. Yet when someone who's born clearly male or female, but chooses to identify as neither male nor female, we happily assign them a new gender as non-binary and assign pronouns such as they and them. Well, Ryan T. Anderson, PhD, who researches and writes about marriage, bioethics, religious liberty, and political philosophy says the following. Sex assignment, I quote, doesn't work. It's impossible to reassign someone's sex physically, and attempting to do so doesn't produce good outcomes psychosocially. Dr. Paul McHugh, professor of psychiatry at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, further explains, transgendered men do not become women, nor do transgendered women become men. All and he, I'm quoting, including Bruce Jenner, become feminized men or masculinized women. K, 
counterfeits or impersonators of the sex with which they identify. In that lies their problematic future. When the tumult and shouting dies, it proves not easy nor wise to live in a counterfeit sexual garb, the most thorough follow-up of sex-reassigned people. Extending over 30 years and conducted in Sweden, where the culture is strongly supportive of the transgendered, documents their lifelong mental unrest. 10 to 15 years after surgical reassignment, the suicide rate of those who had undergone sex reassignment surgery rose to 20 times that of comparable peers. McHugh points to the reality that because sex change is physically impossible, it frequently does not provide the long-term wholeness and happiness that people seek. Indeed, the best scientific research supports McHugh's caution and concern. Here's how the British newspaper, The Guardian, summarized the results of a review of more than 100 follow-up studies of post-operative transsexuals by Birmingham University's Aggressive Research Intelligence Facility. And again, I quote, The Aggressive Research Intelligence Facility, which conducts reviews of healthcare treatments for the National Health Service, concludes that none of the studies provides conclusive evidence that gender reassignment is beneficial for patients. It found that most research was poorly designed, which skewed the results in favor of physically changing sex. There was no evaluation of whether other treatments such as long-term counseling might help, or might help transsexuals, or whether their gender confusion might lessen over time. So why is there such an aggressive attempt to suppress and subvert the truth about this? A simple, once truth is subverted, it is impossible to establish a kingdom of God baseline. We hear phrases like bigoted, hateful, hyperjudgmental, and the like used to describe people who point to the scriptures as their baseline for truth. Heck, we, we had uh, Hillary Clinton a few years ago saying uh, Christianity needs to uh, come up with the times and change some of its beliefs and doctrines. How crazy is that? So we've learned how to use words as weapons in dealing with political opponents, cultural and racial differences, and even when dealing with the word truth itself. Remember Kellyanne Conway's alternative facts? <laughs> the phrase that she coined uh, in an interview with Chuck Todd following the 2017 presidential inauguration in which the president uh, claimed he had the largest crowd ever in attendance at a presidential inauguration. If so, you may or may not also remember that Chuck Todd responded to Kellyanne's alternative facts claim. Look, alternative facts are not facts. They're falsehoods, close quote. Yet the phrase has now happily become part of our daily lexicon in pushing back against or disputing truth. We simply say, hey, alternative facts. That is the impact of the subversion of truth. Uh, I love, uh, personally, the abstraction of allegory because... You can disguise different truths, especially spiritual truths in figurative narrative, and then you can let the readers or the hearers draw their own conclusions. In particular, though, I'm struck by the following allegorical tale by Jean-Léon Jérôme and the powerful idea that it conveys. Quote, according to a 19th century legend, the truth and the lie meet one day. The lie says to the truth, it's a marvelous day today. The truth looks up to the skies and sighs, for the day was really beautiful. 
They spend a lot of time together, ultimately arriving beside a well. The lie tells the truth. The water is very nice. Let's take a bath together. The truth, once again suspicious, tests the water and discovers that it indeed is very nice. They undress and start bathing. Suddenly, the lie comes out of the water, puts on the clothes of the truth and runs away. The furious truth comes out of the well and runs everywhere to find the lie and to get her clothes back. The world, seeing the truth naked, turns its gaze away with contempt and rage. The poor truth returns to the well and disappears forever, hiding there in shame. Since then, the lie travels around the world dressed as the truth, satisfying the needs of society because the world, in any case, harbors no wish at all to meet the naked truth. I absolutely love that story. See, our world is indeed fraught with ideas that constantly seek to exchange the truth for a lie, simply to ensure that everyone lives a happily ever after existence. Um, my truth is a common phrase, because truth has become subjective, as if that were possible. But that is merely another lie, masquerading as the truth, because in the end, happily ever after never comes for those who live a lie, or especially for those who take advantage of others for personal gain. But don't take my word for it. Let's read what the scriptures have to say about those who live purely for personal pleasure at the expense of all else. According to Romans 1.25, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. So this is actually what the Bible means when it boldly and unapologetically declares, claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. So let me end this thought today by saying that as Christ followers, it is our duty to love people, all people. But according to the book of Ephesians, it is also our responsibility to speak the truth in love. Here's how it says it in Ephesians 4, verses 14 and 15. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So friends, this is me attempting to speak the truth in love. Uh, I realize that there are many who don't share my faith and who may be listening to this podcast and understand I recognize that such people are held to a different standard. So again, I reiterate that these aren't the people to whom I'm speaking. But by the same token, if they embrace the ideology of gender identity, that standard by which they choose to live cannot and must not be imposed upon those of us who've chosen to live according to the dictates of the scriptures. The Bible is my guide for living. And while I may fail often in living up to its ideals, it doesn't change the goal or the standard by which I'm called to live. And every day, I seek to strive to live that standard. 
I believe the Bible to be the inerrant word of God. That means I don't get to pick and choose which parts of it I believe and which parts of it I choose to live by and which parts of it I don't or I choose not to live by because they don't appeal to the current cultural zeitgeist. And friends, that's just my dos centavos. See you next week. Thanks for joining us on the Open Spaces podcast. If you enjoyed it, then please like it and share it with your friends. We'd really love to connect with you. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Open Spaces podcast.